So we're joined by Emma Anand and Slok Diwali. Um, we've been working with them uh, all summer through a community compact grant funded uh, $50,000 uh, research project. And um, as you've seen, they just have their sort of final or near final um, greenhouse gas inventory. Emma's been the sort of lead analyst on this summer, for sure. Thank you so much, Josh. Um, yeah, we'll start with some quick introductions for Silk and I. So my name is Anna Annan. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm based out in Portland, Oregon. And I have been the, the APEX uh, consultant who's been primarily processing the data and inputting those into the Cirrus models, making sure that we're using the most up-to-date emission factors and calculating those inventories for both 2017 and 2022. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Sloak. So go for it, Sloak. Give yourself an intro. 
Thanks, Emma. Hello, everybody. My name is Slo Giwali. I'm also based out of the Portland, Oregon office. I'm the program manager on the team. And I uh, work with Emma and her team to ensure that uh, we are meeting our deliverables and they are technically sound. Fantastic. Thank you, Slo. Um, so, committee, I was planning today to have a little bit of uh, discussion time about how exactly what our methodology was for identifying the data, collecting it, and processing, and then inputting into the models. Um, and then for the latter half of my, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, um, uh, I will share my screen and just go through the 2022 series models. I know that you all have had a couple weeks to review, so I'm just going to do a pretty high level overview there and then we can get into some questions. But to start off this process, um, Josh and Mira at the time was around, we uh, worked with them to identify the various applicable sectors to the town of Milton. Um, and so the three sectors identified were stationary transportation and waste. This was all done through the lens of the greenhouse gas protocols, GPC. Um, and so those were our three main sectors that we were focusing in on. So once we had identified those sectors, we went through the process of going through a, a extensive GPC checklist basically to figure out which activities were actually occurring in the town of Milton. So natural gas, electricity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this, again, was done with our, our contacts at the town of Milton. So Josh, Mira, and Jack were a big part of that process. Um, and from that definition, once we identified those uh, exact activities, we were able to put together a request for information that gave us information on what exactly we needed, what you know time frame was necessary, what detail was necessary, um, as well as who would have that primary data. So for the most part, you know, waste vendors, electricity vendors like Eversource, um, natural gas vendors, et cetera. Once that RFI was created, the APEX team and our points of contact at Milton um, kind of divided and conquered. So we you know, we're reaching out to uh, various contacts at Eversource, National Grid, and other vendors to collect that information. And the information came in um, in many, many different formats. So we had some email information, we had, um, you know, PDFs of actual invoices that stated consumptions and receipts, etc. So once we collected information, I went through on the APEX side and processed all that data, mostly getting it into Excel format and aggregating it by uh, like subcategory as well as activity type so that it could be easily input into the Cirrus tool. So with that, most of the data within the inventories are from primary sources. So we were able to get most information um, from you know the 2022 timeframe, as well as uh, from primary data sources. When we weren't able to do so, but we knew that that 
activity was occurring within the town. Um, we did our best to use MAPC as well as Mass Save to collect information that was historical. So most of that is actually 2021 data, the, the pieces of information that's historical, um, as well as some 2017 data, just because there are limitations with MAPC and how often they're collecting information. An immaterial portion of the uh, inventories are estimated. Those are mostly refrigerant information and, and that's estimated um, using US EPA leak rates and some assumptions that again, were vetted with Josh, Jack and Nira throughout this process. Um, and I, yeah, for the 2022 inventory, 3.5% of the emissions are estimated for refrigerants. So once we collected all that primary information, um, I was able to then input all the activity data, apply conversion factors, and then finally, I entered in the most up-to-date emission factors. So for 2017, we're making sure to use 2017 uh, US EGRID factors and US EPA factors. Um, as for 2022, we're using the most up-to-date 2022 uh, emission factors there. So once, yeah, once that activity data was input, conversion factors were applied, then emission factors were entered and applied. Um, we finally had our calculated emissions, which you all have had a, a bit of a chance to see, but I will go ahead and share my screen. Just give me one second here. Okay, are you able to see my screen right now? Great, thank you very much. So um, Apex decided to go with the Cirrus model to help facilitate the calculations for Town of Milton's greenhouse gases. Um, this model is built on the GHG protocol and was developed by C40 Cities. Um, so with that said, for example, all these purple tabs were pre-populated by uh, the C40 Cities. Um, and so like the, the GWPs, the global warming potentials and conversion factors were already pre, you know, populated and, and those are um, what we're able to use in the inventory. Otherwise in orange and light blue, those are the areas that I, um, as the Apex consultant, was helping to populate and um, put information in. So city information has just a context for what the town of Milton is like. Um, a lot of this information came from Josh as well as uh, various, you know, credible sources on the internet. And then the data sources tab, this kind of gives some background and uh, links to various websites that we were using. Um, this has both the list of vendors where we were able to collect primary data as well as mass save and MAPC where we were able to get historic data. And then lastly, um, for emission factors, for the majority we were using US EPA 
Um, Mission Factor is the, the latest published. Um, and then in some cases, I think really only one factor was from DEFRA 2022, and that's the water or wastewater treatment factor. And lastly, for our residual mix or our market-based electricity emission factor, we used green E. And going into emission factors, the emission factor tab really gives a clear breakdown of which emission factors we're using, um, what each component is, the CO2, CH4, and N2O component, as well as which GWP we're using. And please note here that we are using AR4 um, mainly because the next step in this process, uh, we're using a tool called the CURB model, which is also a C40 cities model or tool. And that particular tool has limitations on, on uh, what GWP is available. So we decided to go consistent since the CURB model only has up to AR4, we're just going to use AR4 for um, the Cirrus models as well. So that's a note there. And I do want to thank the committee for um, giving really great feedback throughout uh, this process. So I did add in, in this description column, which table within the US EPA and then what tab for DEFRA um, emission factors came from. So thanks for that input and your feedback was, uh, it came came to, to light, I guess. That said, um, Getting into the actual inventory, as I stated earlier, the three sectors that are applicable are stationary transport and waste. Um, since you all have had a chance to look through this, I'm just going to do a detailed walkthrough through one of these tables, um, the residential buildings in the stationary tab, and then Pretty much all the other tables follow this format. Um, so it's it's applicable to the rest of the formats. But um, for residential buildings and stationary, um, we made sure we had the right subcategory. And then uh, again, through those conversations with Josh, Jack, and Mira, we identified what activity was actually occurring in residential buildings throughout the town of Milton. Um, and with that, we were able to collect that information. I made sure to add descriptions if the data was historic, like 2021 information um, as the you know best possible uh, data source. And then from there, we're able to actually input all that activity data. So again, this is just an annual aggregate, um, not a detailed month-to-month -month look or view. You can see in the refrigerants cell, you can link back to exactly um, what, I guess, intensity we were using for refrigerant losses and estimating those. Um, once the activity data is in, and we want to make sure the units are correct, as well as account for any differences in the emission factor unit versus the activity data unit. And so the Cirrus tool pulls in that conversion from the conversion factor tool or tab 
And from there, we um, pull in what emission factor is accurate for that particular piece of activity data. And again, the Cirrus tool is able to pull in the emission factors. So with all that information, then the Cirrus tool uses the activity data, conversion factor, and emission factor to give us our GHGs. And um, we can see the breakdown if we want to see that detail. But in column, let's see, AL, we actually have our total metric tons of CO2 equivalent. For more detail, if you scroll over to the right, um, we have the data quality. We have any descriptions to the methodology if, uh, for example, there are estimates. So in this refrigerants line, I made sure to add in what the kind of background methods are. And lastly, we have our data source. Again, all the rest of the, the um, inventory tabs and tables follow the same format of activity data entry, emission factor entry, conversion factor entry. And you can see um, the transportation as well as the waste tabs are populated here. So scrolling over to the right tabs, we have multiple results tabs. I'm just going to touch on the ones that I personally find uh, helpful for me. Um, but obviously, you will have access to the inventory, so feel free to discover what uh, makes sense to you. And starting out, so the results Milton Municipal Only tab is something that I created. So. Um, again, thank you for your feedback because you got a, a big um, mistake there where I had a, been linking to a cell that was incorrect. So thank you. That has been updated and changed as you can see here. But this pulls in from the stationary transport and waste tabs, any information that is municipal specific. So you can see if we scroll down here, um, it would pull in anything that in the description says municipal. I made sure to make that clear for my own benefit, but also for everyone else's. Um, so again, this is linking there, and we have both the location and market-based calculations or emissions um, shown off to the right. And just a time check, I think it'd be good to sort of wrap up your presentation portion so we have plenty of time for questions. Sure. Yeah, can I go through one more tab? Is that okay? Yeah. Cool. So the, the last results tab I wanted to go through um, is the overview. And I particularly find the second table to be helpful um, since it, it does go into a more detailed breakdown so you can see a more detailed view of subcategories and emissions, and then as well as scopes. Fantastic. Um, I can stop sharing my screen and we can take questions.
This isn't a question, but I would just like to set some context and I think this is consistent with what Alex has just notes that we passed around. Um, I think, anyway, and I'm curious to hear from committee members, but I think the most relevant use of this information is to help us prioritize and to help us think about where we need to focus our attention. Uh, so while it's very helpful to hear a little bit about the background and the sources, and I'm sure we'll have questions about that, I know I do, I do just encourage us to think about sort of how we can use this information. And there's, uh, you know, some obvious big findings that come out of it. I would say things like the biggest sources of emissions are transportation and buildings, and to a much lesser degree, uh, waste and not in Alex's summary, but I do think it's important to know fugitive emissions as well. So, um, that that information is already sort of incorporated in the research agenda, but I did just want to point it out because I think it could be possible to get lost in the details, but I want us to think about how we're going to use this information. I'll add that we're, this is not the end of our contract with that uh, Apex. Um, they'll also be doing a emissions reduction sort of pathways analysis to do that sort of tracking of the charge goals that you have as a committee and see what sort of specific reduction targets you can have with the existing data that we get out of the CBTOR. So hopefully one last thing to add to research. Do members of the committee have questions for APEX? I have a question. Um, when you look at transportation, Milton is a you know, trans has transportation corridors in it. And so people from outside Milton are traveling through Milton. And is that considered in the transportation figures? Yes. So through the GPC, there are a couple of different ways to account for transportation. And Josh, Jack, and Mira made it clear that um, a priority was to take into account the kind of pass-through emissions that are occurring. So we worked with MassDOT to um, collect that information and break that out into passenger car versus uh, more of a light-duty truck versus a semi-truck. Um, so yes, that has been taken into account. Anything yeah. else I can clarify there? Is there any way to know, like, what part of it is, like you said, the, the pass-through versus travel within the town? Um, so, sorry, I should have clarified. It's everything that's within the geographic boundary of the town of Milton yeah. uh, is included here. So are you trying to... Well, I'm saying um, if I'm trying to capture the carbon footprint of kids driving their kids back and forth to school mm -hmm. versus just someone who lives, you know, 20 miles away, just driving through Milton. Like yeah. you don't really have much control over, you know, people driving through the town, but perhaps not that we have control over it, but it's, it's maybe more in our purview if we're talking about trips that start and end within Yeah, and that's something that we can talk to our contacts at MassDOT about. At this time, I like what, what we collected from MassDOT does not have that granularity, but um, we can note that down as something to uh, connect with MassDOT on and see. 
if that be a possibility to see what what mileage started and ended in the town of Milton. Yeah. So I mentioned that's something that I look into in the summary here. Uh, the, the definition of scope one is occurring in the town. So that's residents driving around town. The, the minute you leave town, it's not bad. Um, versus, uh, and it also includes any, anybody who's driving through town who's meeting CO2 while they're within the city. So I did look at, I, I looked at a, um, a census data source for the vehicle miles of travel during the week that is linked to who live, but it would include the miles driven outside of Milton by people who live here. Right? Um, and you know, I was kind of back again a little bit. I got a number between 25 and 50% of the transportation emissions we're seeing within Milton being from residents. And they're, they're not, it's not a subset, right? Anyway, it's discussed in here, and that, that should be available. So also, I know that uh, MassDOT's doing, um, you know, the study up on 28 um, for their roundabout. So they're collecting data now along different um, points on 28. So if you went up into Randolph, you'd see the, um, you know, the strips that they're putting down. So I think if you reached out and went outside our town limits, you probably would have a good, um, um, you know, group of numbers because they have it at a couple different points down through 28. And then probably coming out of out of Boston on the parkway um, coming in. So we all kind of know um, the, the travel where everybody is in the morning coming through Milton and then at night coming back. So I think it would be fairly easy to collect um, the cars, car information. And today was a nightmare of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. Nice. Yeah, that's And so I think, and also one of the things that I, like I live off of 28 and um, I would love to see a road diet on 28. So I really would love to work with MassDOT Right now it's a four lane highway. There's no bike lanes up, up there. So I think we can as a town and should pressure the state. Um, I think it's unfair that they're um, solving their traffic problems um, through all of our little towns. And, um, and I think we should look to uh, secure funds to put trees down the middle of Route 28 and then um, we can reduce uh, cut through traffic as well as increase trees and then reduce CO2. So I don't know how much influence you have over MassDOT, but I think we're at a critical point right now that they really need a good talking to and um, before they make decisions that are going to be more harmful to us. Okay, yeah, thank you for sharing. I had a question um, about your methodology, um, just switching from transportation for a second over to uh, fugitive emission. Um, and I was wondering if you could explain, I, I do see some information on the scope of the sources of fugitive emissions, but I'm wondering if you can clarify um, what percentage of fugitive emissions are from um, leaking gas pipes and what your source of data was on that. 
Yeah, so there are a couple of um a couple of data sources for fugitives in particular. Um so from MAPC, we were able to collect information on, let's see, one second, uh, industrial, commercial, as well as lawn and garden fugitives, so CO2 and CH4. Um, that data, unfortunately, was 2017 data, historic, um, but it, you know, we know that it is occurring within the town limits, and so we wanted for completeness to include it, even though it might not be the most up-to-date and current, at least we are including it now. Um, and so that is directly from MAPC data sources. As for refrigerant emissions, um, those are all estimated, all assumed to be R410A. And we did estimations for uh, residents residential as well as commercial and institutional municipal buildings. So that's based off of square footage and then the EPA loss rate of 10% as well as some um, like cooling ton assumptions and charge assumptions. And the square footage there was directly from the Department of Public Works at Milton. So in terms of the, the gas pipe leaking, is that included in the NAPC um, commercial emissions or where would that fit? Yes, likely, yeah, commercial industrial. Okay, thank you. Has that been uh, particularly the like gas leaks, has that been a top priority? Is that something that you're hearing a lot about? Is there occurrences? It happens all the time. Uh, <laughs> you walk around town, you will smell gas. There's a major initiative to replace gas pipes. Um, and I worry that the data, I just don't know how good it is. It sounds like it's not um, very current. I know that there's an organization called HEAT that has been collecting data on gas pipe leaks particularly. So um, I'm interested in whether we might be able to incorporate that data into this emissions inventory, but more importantly, I mean, the inventory is important, but it's just a starting point. So I'm, I'm more focused on what do we do about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you said so, that that uh, group was called HEAT. Is that what you said? With two E's. Okay, with two E's. Thank you. Okay, interesting. They have a, a GIS map of all the gas leaks all over the place and also all over the whole state, I should say, and also uh, where uh, gas infrastructure is being with us. Is there one section in town that's worse than others? Have you noticed? It's everywhere I walk my dog. I do sensitize to it, but it's like everywhere I go and smell it. Um, so I have a question about forestry, which I see is deliberately left out of the survey, um, probably for good reasons. My understanding is that the Blue Hills, which covers a lot of territory in Milton, is managed by the state. But still, it seems to me that as part of 
the climate action committee's duty or role, um, there ought to be a way to get a sense of the emissions that are both um, taken in and let out by the Blue Hills. And I don't know whether there's a protocol around you can use for doing that, but I'm interested. Yeah, so um, you can hop in too, so if you'd like, but from my understanding, um, kind of collecting like avoided emissions or uh, emission sinks, like carbon sinks like that, um, the GHG protocol does have its own separate calculation or methodology to do this through. Um, and I believe that the US EPA also has information on that for this project when we were you know discussing with um or looking at it through the lens of the gpc um, and also discussing what kind of sectors are are occurring within the town of milton um we identified that that was you know not not occurring but um so if you want to hop in anymore on that feel free to yeah thanks emma um um and I know our conversation today has been mostly focused on the inventory and the data side of it. The regional context of where Milton sits and how it affects its climate will be considered as part of the uh, climate action plan. Uh, but because the inventory is calculated based on certain methodology and protocols that are in place, uh, we did not capture the the carbon sequestration part of it, but that is a different study. We can do both how it impacts in town. Uh, there's, there, are, there, there's, there are tools available. So what kind of uh, tree cover do you have in Milton and how that impacts um, uh, you know, in-city carbon uh, sinks um, and also the regional context. We will, we will take that into consideration in the second in task two of this project, it wasn't part of the inventory uh, numbers uh, right now. Well, I hope you can find a way to include it. Yeah, I would agree that just to give a specific example where that would have been used recently, we had a, a, a sort of significant town discussion around the siting of a new school, um, looking, looking at land that is currently forested. Um, and there was a lot of uncertainty about the climate impacts of clearing that land, right? So I think when it, when we're when there are development decisions, we have a lot of oh my god, there's a cat. Sorry. <laughs> we have a lot of um, different kinds of forested land within the, the boundaries of Melton, and when there's specific decisions to be made about whether to develop it or to restore it. Um, I think that's yeah. very useful information. And I somehow can't believe, but maybe it's possible, that the DCR is a group and manages doesn't have some sort of data available on this topic. It may be something that we can think about in our report, even if 
it's not in the inventory. What proportion of the inventory data is actually based on uh, EPA uh, monitoring in this area? And specifically, if there is data based on monitoring, where are the monitoring stations that uh, are being used? Yeah, so um, what we what, what portion that we're using from EPA is actually more the emission factors themselves. So each year they publish um, a new emission factors hub. Um, as for data that's coming directly from the EPA, we do not have any. So we were reaching out to Eversource, National Grid, uh, Sunrise Scavenger, et cetera, directly to um, get what consumption Milton is uh, having for, you know, waste, uh, water, and stationary and transport. So at this time, really just the emission factors are coming from the US EPA and our data sources are the direct vendors that are being used. Does that answer your question there? Yeah, um, I didn't see that there was really any use of uh, real data uh, other than the emission factors. And I just wondered if there was there. And apparently that's not. Well, you mean, when you say EPA monitoring stations, what, I'm not familiar with what they might be monitoring. Right? Uh, monitoring F2, monitoring uh, Oh, so yeah. yeah. All of that is continuously monitored. Uh, but there are monitoring stations in in the area, and I was just wondering where they were in relationship to Milton that are already. It's useful from that air quality perspective. But if the, if the wind's blowing, uh yeah, that's why you gotta have actual measurements so I not show up and out uh what the impact is uh particular um building on the question I asked earlier, is it possible to get data on the the number of cars coming to and from schools for Milton and buses? Schools in particular and buses in particular. Um, I mean, speaking, oh, school buses. Okay, school buses. Or at the high school cars, the students. Well, I mean, both cars yeah. and school buses. So basically, okay. the, the amount of traffic associated with transporting children to and from school. Okay. Um, that's something that we can look into and, and talk with both our mass.contacts contacts as well as uh, Josh and Jack, um, since I believe there's a particular school bus uh, vendor. Some data from first student who we contract right. for our uh, buses from, we don't actually, Town Milton does not manage any of the school buses, it's all in first student. So right. should we look at our sort of uh, municipal admissions from our school fleet, it's actually just the two uh, training cars that they use for drivers that all the rest is the sort of contracted stuff that is captured in the broader mass data, but not um, 
regularly from the school district. Uh, I spoke with Dr. Papachek early on in the process, and he didn't immediately say, oh, I have this info for you. Um, maybe the new right. superintendent has something, yeah. um, but I, outside of knowing how many students come in day to day, they, they might have done some survey, but I don't know if it's recent. Right. Um, I think it's kind of only accessible via a survey um, rather than any sort of the existing data sets. Well, I know they have those traffic, those cables they put across the road, and so I'm wondering if they've ever put them across the entrances to the schools to do a, a study. It's unlikely. Um, I know Glover School got funding a few years ago from the Sacred School Program, and that may have included some data collection specific to Glover. Yeah. Um, but that's not really something I, I know we would have on hand. I, I doubt it. I would think they would know how many buses are going to each school. Exactly. Uh, you know, basic questions. Count them. <laughs> yeah. But I would think it would, it's more like at the high school level, the kids uh, driving. Mm -hmm. And then I have, I found that um, Pierce, I felt like everybody dropped their kids off at Pierce. Yeah. Well, I live near uh, there. So yeah. I, I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know the crossing guard very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also private schools in town yeah. and yeah. Curry College and and one of the reasons my, my kids were always busing. So they we, you know, they got the bus and then when it's when they, it was no longer covered and I had to pay for it, then I started driving them. Right. So one option would be if we're trying exactly. to reduce, you know, emissions is yes. you then um pay for more kids to take the bus. Right. But then I know transportation is one of the most expensive things in the um, school budget. Right. So I don't know. And it's our biggest. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. something. The school buses are helping, not hurting that, though. No, no, I'm not talking yeah, about the school yeah, buses. Yes. I'm saying I'm interested to know, um, you know, based on this data, like how many families could take a bus, but maybe don't. Um, you know, versus walking and riding their bikes. And, you know, some kids don't live near their schools. Um, you know, it's complex. It's a very complex issue. Oh, certainly not the only factor. Yeah. Yeah. There may be survey data out there, but it's yeah. it's not going to be easily accessible from this broader data pool that we've been yeah. pulling from so far. And, and uh, for our part as part of our of the climate action plan, uh, we will look at uh, possibilities of a mobility study, um, just to see a sustainable uh, mobility study, just to at least at a high level give get some indication as to where that is possible, what the data availability is, and how we can plan around that. Um, so that's that's in the works. It's not just it's uh, we are still fine tuning that. And just, just for context, when, when Slope says the Climate Action Plan, but they, they're developing some sort of frameworks for our climate action planning work. They're, they're not going to craft a sort of parallel climate action plan right. for you. Right, absolutely. Can you describe what that framework is? Sure. Um, and it's Slope and, and I'm pleased. Um, but it's um, providing some high priority um, goals and targets for your sort of reduction pathways year over year. Um, some of the best practice sort of policy that we should consider from the sort of technical side of things and emissions reductions, as well as they'll be providing us with um, 
design support for creating uh, graphics, um, sort of charts, as well as um, a logo for the climate action plan um, that I know we talked about with you all two months ago, I believe, and, and I think that would be really um, integral to have this committee's um, intro. Right. Will that change? Um, will it be able to say if you take this action or you know enact this policy, you could expect an X percent reduction in emissions? Like, does it go to that level of detail, or do we expect? The, the, yeah, the reductions pathway should should have that kind of nuance um, because we have the sort of distinct um, real data from the GHG inventory. And and as as uh, just uh, I just want to uh, clarify that uh, as you can see the methodology of this can be a bit complicated and a little um, uh, technical and filled with jargon. So one of the things that we are doing uh, along with the marketing team is putting a methodology summary together that is easier to understand uh, so that it can be communicated out more uh, widely. Great, thank you. I think um, getting some sort of sense of what the framework will look like um, will probably be helpful to us because we are already, today we'll be discussing sort of our research plan and a, you know, outline for the, the climate action, for our climate action plan. So knowing how that might integrate with what APEX is going to produce, I think be helpful to our thinking. You received the uh, scope of work, I believe, in some past Conversations, but that has a um, in detail what we contract data export. But I can send that out again. Yeah, that would be good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. and that's one more question. In terms of the residential gas consumption data, uh, which uh, you know it it seems pretty clear and easy to to get. Uh, do you have with that the number of uh, appliances in? each uh, residence. Uh, obviously, you can get the amount of gas uh, a particular residence uses, uh, but would it be worthwhile for us to know whether this includes a furnace, a fire heater, a stove, uh, an outside fire pit, uh, et cetera? Uh, and is, is that kind of data available? Uh, because when you think about it, uh, this total volume of gas that comes into town and is, and is used uh, certainly gets used in all these different uh, uh, appliances. And uh, as we think about how we could reduce that and you think about, well, maybe you could have people set their thermostats a degree or two lower, uh, but at the same time, you have people with a fire pit outside that runs overnight with nobody at it and, and so forth. Uh, so that uh, uh, perhaps at least knowing those number of appliances would be of some value. So in the current data set that we were are able to collect from MassSave, um, really all we get is the aggregate of natural gas usage. So there, there is not that granularity of like number of households, number of appliances or average number of appliances in each household, et cetera. Um, well, we do have fuel type 
data from Mass Energy Insight. So we know if you're using oil versus natural gas, sure. um, but we don't know. I believe this if someone has a gas stove installed, they have to pull a permit to get it installed. So the building permits might um, provide a window that might be some data. That's also typically would be tied to the fuel type that a house uses yeah. um, by and large. Um, some people will have a oil power heater and, and use a gas stove. Um, okay. But uh, I've, in my conversations with inspection services, it, it seems like the capacity for like deep data analysis from the permanent uh, software is, is limited. Um, so all, we can do what we can, but uh, right. can't make any promises. Yeah. I was just thinking you could have gas heat, but not a gas stove, but mm -hmm. you pull the permit for a gas stove. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless the gas company has that kind of data, it's probably, it would be pretty hard to get. But at the same time, uh, as potentially being important if you're going to try and do something in relationship to natural gas consumption. I know that um, MassGate data has information on uh, appliances, energy efficiency appliances that have been adopted. So that's not all appliances, but that's when they, you know, when people have uh, upgraded to an efficient appliance. Yeah. Arthi, did you have a comment? I thought maybe I saw you were going to see. Hi, thanks. Uh, my apologies for not being present. Um, I'm okay, but I was recently exposed to COVID and I wanted to be respectful of everybody uh, this evening. Um, it appears to be accelerating and uh, I wanna be careful for you as, as uh, good colleagues. Um, my question um, is with respect to the gas consumption, it seems strange that we can't obtain um, the units in the community, by that I mean household units that have any gas consumption whatsoever. Is that not something that's available through any entity, including the state? This is households with no natural gas consumption? Is that the question? No, with, with gas consumption. Mm -hmm. We know the number of households that use which fuel type, that's through Mass Energy Insight. Um, so, so yes, we have that data. But that's, that's what I was hoping, that's what I had thought. I, it sounded like I was hearing the opposite and I just wanted to clarify that. So thank you. Do you have the property level or just an aggregate? Um, yeah, no, I, it, it's not a map. But this house sees oil, this you we know the gasolines and our the the people mapper does yeah. have fuel type tied to the parcel. Um, but some parcels have both. Mm -hmm. But I know I've seen that data point in the sort of 
That's I think by and if you had a gas line, you heat with gas. If you don't, you get the oil. Yeah. Yeah, I heated with I heated with oil and had a gas. That's what I inherited. <laughs> We're just about at the end of the time that we have for discussion. Are there any other burning questions for Apex before we let them go for the evening? Okay, thank you so much. This has been very informative. We really appreciate your hard work. Thank you, guys. Yeah, just thank you. Um, please feel free to email any questions to Josh and Jack, and they can get those over to Sloak and the other Apex colleagues and myself. So thank you for your time today. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the next thing on our agenda is um, to discuss initial feedback on the research outline. And so there's two things that are included in the research outline. One is um, an outline of the climate action plan itself, which is kind of high level. And I'm not actually envisioning, we'll talk about this a lot tonight, but just want to point it out. That looks like this kind of an outline type document, and it has introduction and uh, information about context and the emissions inventory, et cetera, and then a section for key action areas and the kinds of information that we might include for that, for each action area. Um, we have any feedback on this, I'm happy to talk about it, but the main thing that I want to make sure we talk about is this other document, which is an Excel spreadsheet, and it's in very tiny type here, but um, it is showing down the left-hand side the different topics that we might want to address in our climate action plan, and those are drawn from the emissions inventory when we're talking about greenhouse gas mitigation, so transportation, buildings, fugitive emissions, solid waste, those are the four top areas of emissions, plus conservation, because we've talked about conservation as being very important. And then we have a second section for climate change adaptation and risk mitigation. We've talked about that being important too, and, and we want to include that in our plan. So um, I pulled in that from our municipal vulnerability preparedness program, top climate change hazards, um, which are intense storms, flooding, wildfire, heat waves, and drought. So that's just sort of an orientation of what the different topics are. And then across the spreadsheet are different kinds of information you might want to gather on this. If you are able to bring up the spreadsheet, that would be wonderful so you can see it. Um, I should say, I am not expecting that we will use this spreadsheet actually as a way to gather our information because it will become quickly overwhelming, but uh, it was a quick way to put it in one place. So the kinds of information that are in there currently, and this is just draft, uh, is initial research questions, related bylaws, there we go, related bylaws, regulations and policies, um, related projects or initiatives that might be going on, not necessarily in Milton, it could be anywhere. Um, examples of successful efforts from other communities, um, equity considerations, things to think about with regard to equity, information, resources and data, funding resources, um, 
lead actors and key stakeholders who are, who are in the key people or institutions. And then all the way at the right, we'll talk about this later, is staff planning, actually planning, uh, so our names there, <laughs> we'll get to that. But the main thing I want to make sure we have a chance to talk about is, are these the right topics? And are these the right kinds of information that we want to be gathering as we research these topics? Because ultimately, I think, I think anyway, we want to be making sure we're gathering the same kinds of information so that when we come to our next point, pull this together, we are drawing, you know, we have similar sources. Why did you have a comment? Well, uh, well, then we need to implement it, and that would be not, not us, yeah. the town. Yeah. Okay. And, and well, also, you, your charge does include a monitoring. Yes, monitoring, right. <laughs> um, and so that's why in the outline, um, I have a section for each action area about recommendations for implementation. So as we're writing the plan, um, I think we ought to be thinking about not just what's the problem, but what you know what our recommendations are for addressing the problem and who can do that and what the funding strategy is and all of that. If someone needs to approve the plan? Yes. Cool. It's a life board will need to approve They asked us to write it. We'll bring it to them. And uh, but along the way, we'll need to get a lot of feedback from other people. One thing, one thing I would suggest adding uh, is um, the task of educating people about what we're doing, about what the climate needs and building are, and what people can do to make a difference. Yeah, and I had imagined that education as sort of woven into each topic area, but you know, we might think about having a separate section on education as a whole. So I'll make a note of that. That's a good idea. I was thinking about transportation and buildings, perhaps dividing them into like government, municipal versus mm -hmm. private. Because mm -hmm. it seems like our recommendations will be very different. I don't know if it's worth breaking them out in different rows or. I was curious if there was a list. That was one of the questions I had tonight. Like, is there a list of all the buildings? Because it looks like we've done, the town has done a lot of um, grants and funding through the uh, green communities. And I didn't want, I want to kind of tick and tie what building got what funding from any programs or grants that we've done to do like upgrades. Is that, is that? Information available, or who do I go yeah. to kind of hunt down, hunt down, hunt down that information? Um, consolidated facilities. Chris Hayden is their director. Um, they manage our green communities grants, which have largely okay. been for um, LED upgrades yep. in public schools. Um, so, so Chris would be that sort, or you could talk to me or Jack, and we could show it to him. Okay, yeah. So when you go in the mass communities, it looks like we maybe a million dollars if I. We've done funding over the last, over the last probably like five or six years. The school. Okay, I just want to um, just kind of put what you're saying in the context of the research plans. I, I do want to kind of stay focused on this for now. So I think you're talking about grants to date, and maybe this fits with funding resources. So as we think about each action area, um, we can think about funding, both funding that we have received to date and funding that we might pursue. Does that make sense to you? 
It does. I was I didn't mean to focus so much on the funding, but I definitely wanted to get a list of the buildings and if they've done projects to see like that we've done made some impact for the baseline. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's a great question. I think for each of these topics, we're going to have many, many questions about sources of data. I don't want to talk about that now because we will get lost and we will finish. But it's a great thing to start thinking about. And so, um, so keep note of those questions. I want to make sure we have time to come back to that, not in today's meeting, but in future meetings. And just at a process level, we have kind of an integration challenge where like each of us is kind of separately relearning a lot of things, uh, organizing them in a way that makes sense to us as individuals, but then how do you bring that information together so that you can synthesize it? So are there any topics, topics now, kind of down the left-hand side, transportation, buildings, fugitive emissions, solid waste, conservation, and all then all the climate change adaptation and risk mitigation areas? Are there any topics that we are missing? Just to kind of build off of what Lisa said, um, and I mean, I think it could go down to the activity level, like within the, the inventory, they, they've broken out um, all of these low, top level act, uh, activity categories like buildings and transport into a lot of subcategories. So we'll probably need to focus action items at that level. Um, but probably what we want to capture here is any, anything that's not in that inventory that's not on this list yeah. that we actually need to be focusing on. So I think one thing like that that we caught is is conservation, carbon sequestration. Yeah, so um, I was kind of wondering if um, I know different boards ask for input from um, different committees. So you brought up the whole um, the whole land swap thing, and that that had that piece of property has the most biodiverse um, um, trees and. Um, um, ecology and, and really more than even in found in the Blue Hills. So I'm kind of wondering if moving forward, if this committee would ever weigh in on projects around town, um, just like other committees weigh in. So just thinking like from the planning board, because I'm here representing the planning board, we have um, a project in front of us um, up on Highland Street, which is I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, no. So but that's a big question. Yeah. And not what we need. Oh, yeah. So eventually, that's, yeah. that is, are we going to have that type of input or not? Maybe. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's okay. put it on an agenda for a future yeah. meeting. It's a really important question. I think yeah. it, it really gets to the heart of what our role is. And, yeah. you know, we have this plan to write, but there's also decisions happening all the time. And yeah. Should we be weighing in on them? Should we weigh in on them now? I think it's a little too early, like right this minute, but. You know, at some point, maybe, and I think we should talk about that. And I'll definitely make a note that I am, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be really um, focused on this only because we have to get to the end of this so that we can have public comments and get out of time. So I will make a note about that and we'll come back to it for sure. I will add that I think this research outline reflects well the inventory. I don't see things from the inventory that are missing from mm -hmm. the outline. So. I think it's a fixed word. It's really good. It's not that it helps. Before we go to problems, yes. does anybody else see a topic that we are missing? 
Okay. Not to say we couldn't add it later, but it'll just be easier because we're going to kind of assign names. So I want to make sure we have somebody for every time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's think about the columns. And again, we can add stuff later, but as we sort of set out on our path for trying to research and gather information, we want to be sure we're kind of looking for the same sorts of things. So is there something that we're missing in terms of figuring out what our research questions are, related finalists, um, related projects, examples of successful efforts, equity, information, funding resources, key stakeholders, anything really critical that's not there that we really need to gather information on? Well, wait. I was thinking of something that was there, like data sources, that was there. This is stuff we talked about in our last meeting, so it's really just pulling together yeah. what we all talked about, so that, that's good. Um, okay, so so then what I want to do now um, is just talk a little bit about next steps and see if this makes sense to you. What I'm proposing is that for our next meeting, um, we, we, and I say Alex and I, because we both volunteered to do this, write a template, which is an example of how we can take this information and fill it out for one topic and share that around with the group. And anyone else who wants to do this would be totally welcome to do it. But I think it would be easier for us to um, work as a committee and kind of uh, gather information in a similar, not, not that our approach needs to be similar, but that the product looks kind of similar if you have it. So does that sound like that would be helpful to have a sort of a template or an example next time of a couple of topics? And then the idea would be everyone else on the committee would go out and do the same thing for their topic. Um, that's not going to be like the final chapter of the plan or anything. That's just like, okay, here's our little summary, our synopsis of this topic, what we know, what we want to know, what you know, where we're looking, stuff like that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Does anyone else want to write a template besides Allison? <laughs> I have a question as someone representing the school board, right? Mm -hmm. So buildings and transportation are like the two really big pieces of it. And so I feel divided about, I know I signed up for transportation. Um, a lot of the research I've done so far talks a lot about buildings and, and um, I'll just need some guidance on how to represent my committee and you know do this research. Or I guess I could part of the from the spreadsheet format. Say yeah. Lisa's focusing on the buildings and transportation and many activities that occur within the context of the school system. Or another way to think about it might be, I, I do think it's going to be important for us to have at least one, maybe two people for each topic to say, hey. Really going to focus on whatever it is, but that's not to say you can't also weigh in on other things. Sure. And when we come back with our little wipes, that is not the end of the story. That's not like okay, we wrote the book, we're done, we're not talking about it. It's the beginning of the story, and then we're going to talk about it a lot with each other and with everybody else, like the other boards in town and other committees and residents and you know experts, and that's just the beginning of the conversation. So I don't want us to feel like. If we sign up for a topic here, that's all we can think about. It's just let's start there and focus on that so we can make a little progress and then regroup and then you know keep sharing. Does that make sense? Okay, so now we're at the point where um, we've, we've covered the research outline, which is great. 
And I want to make sure we do have at least one person for every topic and then nobody hates the topic that they're signed up for. <laughs> so I did take names down at the last meeting. And if you change your mind, just let me know. But we do have some topics that are unfilled. So right now, Lisa, I do have you for transportation. Is that still okay? Does anyone want to join this one? Be a little bit tough. It's going to be a really important topic. Yeah, I do think it probably makes sense to have someone focused on like the school annual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The school the uh starts out of Yeah. It might be hard to do that and all of Well, I'll give it a start. I'm sure um is everyone who's talked about the traffic today, we all have thoughts. Yeah, yeah, and definitely, I think we're all going to need to weigh in on all of these. So, okay, but that'd be great if you could then start. Um, and then we have buildings, and Mary and Alex, I know you both raised your hands last time to see about the buildings. Is that cool? Yeah. Right. And uh, fugitive emissions, I put my name down for that. Happy to have anyone join me, or I can switch. People excited about fugitive emissions. So I'm on a mission. <laughs> um, okay, solid waste. Arthur, I put you down for that because I think you said you were good with anything. I needed a name. Is that okay with you? The acoustics are pretty bad, but I said that I would take uh, whatever it is that you would like me to do. Yeah. So solid waste is okay? Yep. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, and then conservation, Maggie and Ron, you both express interest in that, that's still okay? All right. Um, and then, so that's great. That covers all of the emission, uh, types of emissions and emission areas. But then we have also the climate change risk. So just to remind you, those are intense storms, flooding, wildfire, heat waves, and drought. And this is, again, thinking about how do we, how do we plan for and adapt to these kinds of risks. Does anyone have a topic that they are excited about for this? Okay, Alex, for flooding? Flooding fighters. Uh, I'd be interested in flooding. Arthur, that was you for flooding? Correct. There's some. Unless somebody else uh, prefers it. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, and then I heard wildfire. Uh, Lisa and Ron. And John, okay. And that does relate to heat waves and drought. Yeah. I mean, I think, do, do you want to group them together? Is that easier somehow? I mean, wildflower, wildfire is a result of drought and heat. Yeah. Um, I said I would cover intense storms. So unless anyone wants to fight me for it, I can do that. <laughs> um, Anybody else feeling strongly about heat waves or drought? Okay. I'm happy to take one, Tracy, if it's not assigned. Okay. I'm going to suggest that was Mary saying she would take one. Yep. Um, John, how about if you take heat waves and Mary take drought, just to kind of spread things around, and Lisa, if you take wildfires? Okay. Is that did you catch all that? Okay. I'm going to read through it again. So Tracy will do storms. Alex and Arthur will do flooding. Lisa will do wildfire. 
John will do heat waves, and Mary will do drought. Is that okay? I get it right? Okay. Excellent. So we will circulate a template for next time, two templates. Um, you know what, maybe, Alex, you should do, like, we could split it up and have one on uh, emissions and one on adaptation, so we have one of each kind of template. We can talk about that. Okay. So are you envisioning that this template would be uh, building very large, or that it would be more of uh, uh, action item within the area of buildings? I was imagining it was going to be buildings writ large, and it might have placeholders. I mean, that's a huge shock, right? We're not going to, in the course of a month, fill everything up. But it would be a way of organizing the information, and maybe the way we organize the information is to split it up into different parts, and we only fill out one part for next month. But I think it's just, my hope is that by having a template, we can think about how to organize our, our thoughts and our process so that then when we send everybody out to do it, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll, <laughs> we'll come back to you and then you guys can give us feedback and see how and we can change it. Does that sound okay? Okay. Um, moving on in the agenda, we are just about on time, actually. <laughs> uh, so I want to uh, move now to discussing and potentially voting on any proposals from committee members for town funding to support the Climate Action Planning Committee's work. And um, I know Alex had put a few ideas out, and um, I don't know if you want to talk about them. And then if anybody else has ideas, we'll talk about those. Yeah, I want to uh, just put a few quick thoughts down in the email, um, because I think we do because we're probably not in a position to make big acts at this point doesn't mean we shouldn't think of small small things that might really help us to be more successful if we get started. Um, so uh, by no means exhaustive, but is um, there any like formal request you need to make for say staff support? I know that there's a lot of um, really useful GIS data in town. We have a GIS expert who assesses across the hall, like. But I know he's better. Do these, right? You already paid for Alan's. So right. Alan Bishop is our. So it's not, it's not informal. Um, no, but Jack is your staff person. He deals with a lot of stuff, obviously. But um, I request if, if you're looking for town municipal data or support, um, try and ask Jack rather than going sort of directly to the source just to. Um, um, and then. You know, I put a thousand dollars down, but it's more like a small amount of money for digital advertising or print advertising experiments. Because I think one thing we're going to have to learn uh, is how to reach people. Uh, and I've done just enough of this at Sustainable Wilton to know that it's hard. <laughs> so, um, and there's some things that, you know, where a little bit of money might help us learn a lot about what works and what doesn't. Um, uh, or perhaps we could fund an internship for uh, somebody who's studying uh, a high school student or uh, somebody studying social marketing and public relations at Great College mm -hmm. to um, drive some of that learning for us. 
And then uh, and last thing was maybe small amounts of money for that expenses. I don't know what it costs to like do a library. Um, it's it's budget. really in the library board, town boards, committees. Um, yeah. you know, like yeah. you want to have donuts and make people show up. I I hear that I've been I got food funding for our microgrid project and mm -hmm. it's been whole whole process getting W nines and PO numbers and invoices, but. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it was likely the easiest uh, to not get it directly from. That's what I could come up with and what I thought. Great, thank you. Any comments on those or other ideas that people have? Do we have any thoughts on? Well, I guess this is asking the town for this one, right? This isn't like Craig. Yeah, it's certainly not the only right. strategy available to us, but the one that we're supposed to be the same. And and I should say too, the reason this came up initially was we were thinking if we wanted to put in a request for money right. from the town that was a formal request, we had to do it now, right? Because if it's over ten thousand dollars, it needs to go through a certain process, and we have to get this. These requests that Alice is talking about are small and don't have to be done right now, so we don't have to make a decision on this now. Is that true? So. Yeah, I mean, 30B procurement laws are relevant, certainly, to some of this work, but procurement is not the same as sort of a operating budget for a board and committee. Um, all of the sort of committee budgets are determined at town meeting, um, so that this the, the best way to do this, especially for the longevity of this, is, is getting that as a budget um, for town meeting. Um, just like how the master plan implementation committee has um, money for their studies and, and efforts. Um, even sort of non-procurement style requests. I have relatively limited experience, sure, and from that experience, I don't think it's simple or easy or particularly able to be done without a sort of invoice in hand or specific sort of budget that you, you know, it's not just with like about a thousand dollars for the broad printing and marketing stuff. Um, for, for this, you know, we don't have money in our sort of accounting for you all. We could maybe, there's maybe a world where and biggest budget could go towards, you know, some amount towards this work for your sort of broader planning studies, but even so, um, without a specific invoice or quote. Um, I remember hearing um, that, um, I think, Maggie, you mentioned, the, I forgot the number, but you, you mentioned the, the budget that NPSC has, and that's being the largest budget that they have. I think it is, yeah. Um, what's a more typical budget? Is the mode like zero? Zero. Zero, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, MPEG is the committee that does most of the sort of okay. studies and um, sort of consultant hiring. Yeah, outside basically, here's the we, we need to engage the town, and that's not. Uh, yeah, I, I think these are what uh, committees that have to do outreach. I mean, how does that work? Um, the Community Preservation Committee um, has a 
5% of the CPA funds that they take go to the Lord's administration. That pays their clerk, that does their um, admin fees. That fits into the law of Community Preservation Act. Um, the Affordable Housing Trust also does some work with advertising um, units that are on affordable housing lotteries. Um, and, and they don't use trust funds for that, that has to go specifically. Um, but they have, I believe, an operating budget that goes towards some amount of that. But that was a good examining. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So they can over on it. If they have an operating budget, well, actually. But they have a trust fund that they use for affordable housing work. Um, I genuinely, I would say, go to a nonprofit, go to the Copeland Foundation. Um, it'll come with far fewer strings and far more capacity to do it um, in the short term. I think that may fit well with our timing because I think we're not probably quite ready yet. We're at a very early stage and um, these ideas are great ideas and I, I hope others will have other ideas, but we haven't really had a chance to get traction yet, is my sense. And so, I would suggest that we continue to think about this and um, and continue to bring ideas forward with the idea that maybe the most flexible way to do this is going to be to go to a private foundation or some other funding source where we can do it when we're ready and we've got the information gathered. Does that make sense, everybody? If you get to a point where you're doing an MVP grant, obviously engagement and community engagement is a big part of that application process and, and should be a part of that. So it'll be baked into a grant and you get it from um application, but um until you get it, tell me municipal vulnerability. Yes, um you square have the awareness. So is there another round that anticipated? There are rounds annually, I think. Applications are rolling. Um they, I mean this this upcoming round I think closes end of October. So I don't think we, we don't have a plan in place for that. Um, Are there any last comments on funding? We do need to move to public comment, but are there any last thoughts about funds? So I think it's important for the committee to establish goals, mission reduction goals for each of the sectors, and maybe include some baseline information. So I'm wondering if the template is going to include that, or does that come on the list? Great question. Yeah. 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 Certainly, but and I think, well, based on what you were saying earlier about what I think can provide and will provide, that would be very informative because, like. At the start of this evening, I have no idea like how much is it reasonable to think we could reduce submissions, but that could help us. So, I mean, for what it's worth, the IPCC, the government panel for climate change scientists, uh, strongly recommend 50% emission reductions across the board by 2030. Yes, and then we get into the discussion of what is actually possible. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> I know that. Yeah, it's referenced in the law and it's also at charge of the Yeah.
So that's great. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, we'll add that to the template and then we can for each topic talk about what we do. Any last comments before we turn to public comments? And sorry for being a taskmaster on the agenda. I knew it was going to be tight today, and it, and it is, but we will bring up other topics that we didn't have a chance to talk about today in future meetings. Uh, so, do we have any public comments? Yeah. Um, uh, my name is Kel Smith. I live at 16 Church in And um, you, know, you were looking for possible additional topics to put into your spreadsheet your, your matrix. Um, the two that come, come to mind one is a regulatory process and approval. Um, there are, as you probably know, there are 10 cities in town in, in, in Massachusetts which have already adopted the specialized stretch code. Um, and there are at least 10 more communities that are waiting in wins. Um, and uh, so there's an opportunity there for this committee to promote that. And then I uh, started getting on what Josh mentioned. I think advocacy is going to be key too. Um, you know, one thing to come up with a plan, and a plan certainly helps you tell me where you're going, what you want to achieve. But I would hope this committee would have a, a preference for action because, as one of your members pointed out, time is short. And every year without concrete action to actually reduce our growth is a lost option. My name is Tucker Smith. I'm also a distinguished Um, uh, funding idea. Uh, there is an organization that is going to be celebrating this they have the capacity, um, but the decision making, but it is looking for um, opportunities. Uh, is there a process, the server process, and the director, whatever? I will maybe try to snap This is wonderful committee. I'm so impressed with all the work you're doing in terms of how professional and high quality it is. Thank you for My name is Deborah Milbauer, and I'm a town meeting member of Precinct 4 and a professor of public health at Northeastern University. I'm the parent of a Milton High School graduate and a Milton High School 11th grade chocolate player, and also a neighbor to, the, to a proposed classic church field at Milton High School. I am here representing Grass for Guile, a group of concerned Milton residents worried about the short, medium, and long term impacts of a pending plastic turf project at Milton High School, managed by the town Department of Parks and Recreation. The plan is to install an ocean of non-recyclable plastic abutting wetlands, conservation land, and the country park. There is not one single plastic turf recycling facility in the country. 
Plastic surface replaced every eight to ten years, which means thousands of non-recyclable plastic turf, turf fields end up in landfills, incinerated, dumped, or stockpiled. The issue is currently before the Milton Conservation Commission, who will soon decide to issue permits or not. I am here to ask this Climate Change Planning Committee, as part of your final action plan, to consider recommending a town-wide plastic turf ban, or at least a moratorium, so that the rest of the town can catch up with the fast-paced changing signs and regulations regarding plastic turf fields. And not just the big single project as Penny, but for future turf fields already being discussed by some parents. The request has been put before the Milton Board of Health, who first agreed and then declined to host a hearing to consider the matter. Several cities and towns throughout the state and country have already done so, as reported by the New York Times, I have links to all of this um, and lots of other outlets. Regulations around plastic are rapidly changing. Just this morning, I heard that Governor Laura Healy said she will sign an executive order prohibiting state agencies from buying single-use plastic bottles. And several bills are pending in Massachusetts in the Massachusetts State House to ban the government purchase of plastic turf. Milton should not install a plastic product that soon may be banned statewide. Aside from the harm to young athletes who experience higher rates of concussion, ACL failure, heat exhaustion, and infection from mundane skin scrapes, and aside from the toxic runoff shedding PFAS and other toxic chemicals in short waterways and soil, I am here to speak to your planning group specifically regarding plastic. Plastic is destroying our oceans, contaminating our bodies, and contributing to climate change. Plastic is manufactured with crude oil and gas, primary contributors to carbon emissions, which are driving forest fires, deadly heat waves, flooding, and massive once in a century storms happening multiple times in one century. What's more, an ocean of non-recyclable plastic in Milton High School creates, will create heat islands, and importantly for this group, will emit CO2 instead of what natural grass does, which absorbs CO2. Um, and I might add that this committee might consider adding Milton's already existing two short fields to your emissions inventory that you just beautifully discussed. Um, I found research that shows about two acres of turf is about equal to 55.6 tons of CO2 being emitted. Um, in recognition of the environmental and public health disaster that plastic is causing, Milton passed a single use plastic ban bag ban, a single-use plastic bag ban. And many of us schlep water bottles around to avoid, to avoid purchasing single-use plastic water bottles. Yet, here we are planning to install the equivalent of 1.8 million plastic bottles, a statistic that Adidas boasted after their recent construction of a plastic football field in Miami using recycled plastic bottles. 1.8 million for one field, three more seconds. I realize uh, that Milton sports programs are experiencing an acute shortage of fields for which I'm quite sympathetic, but the reasonable and real need for fields should not be trumped by the larger booming crisis that plastic causes. One plastic field will not solve our field shortage, just as one grass field will not solve climate change. Yet, like many towns across the Commonwealth who successfully 
who are successfully managing organic upfield at lower cost without lost playing time, that we must choose brave leadership. We must have the courage to start somewhere. And that somewhere starts with this committee. Thank you for recommending a turf band one moratorium as part of your final recommendation and action. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And I, I have copies of this. I think we have a, a hand raised in the Zoom. Hello, Hansen. Thanks. Thanks, Lana. Kate. Kate, go ahead. Kate, I can go. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, thank you very much. I sat through the whole meeting and I actually had some remarks prepared and I changed them because um, I was listening so carefully to how you were thinking about how you were going to move forward with your strategy as a committee. First of all, I think this committee is exceptionally important in town. And I want to describe why I think it it could help kind of fill in some of the gaps that are created in, in things. And let me let me describe exactly what I mean. <clears throat> um, some of your discussion tonight has been about weighing in on town projects. And that's kind of why I'm here because your committee can fill a missing role. Um, my name is Kate Burak and we all know about what happened on September 12th, 11 inches of rain fell in Lemonster in a four to five hour window. And that might seem exceptional, but um, over the last couple of decades, our region has seen a 50% increase in extreme um, precipitation events. And a climate scientist at UMass says that um, the type of storm we might expect to see every 500 years now, by the end of the century, this rainfall pattern could be the 100 year storm. In other words, the probability of a storm like this in any given year will increase by a factor of five. So my point is flooding, the flood risk keeps getting worse. Um, and why am I saying that? You already know that. I live along Pine Tree Brook in an EPA rated AE flood zone, a 100 year flood zone. That means my home is at high risk for flooding. You can look my house up on Redfin and, and there's a climate warning on it actually. A lot of the Pine Tree Brook neighborhood is in a GIS mapped flood zone. I mention this because three major development projects are currently in construction or proposed within a half mile stretch of Pine Tree Brook in an area that is also mapped as an environmental justice neighborhood. The three projects, the Ice House project, the proposed new school building and grounds and the Guile artificial field, these three once developed will make up approximately 10 acres of impervious surface, disrupting grass and trees that hold water. According to Penn State Extension, stormwater runoff from one acre of impervious surface equals runoff from 20 acres of grassland. The water has to go somewhere. All of the water will end up in Pine Tree Brook. Pine Tree Brook doesn't just affect the Pine Tree Brook neighborhood. It flows all the way through Milton to Lower Mills. Here's the problem. Each of these projects is seen as discrete. To different, different committees in town see it as something else they have to pass. We need someone to see the overall aggregate. What do these three projects, how do the three of them work together? A half a mile strip of Pine Tree Brook. This is something that your committee can do. 
it seems like it's in your purview. And a good question for us to ask is, how can we approach development proactively? Climate change will affect this neighborhood and we need your help now. And I urge you to consider the flood risk mitigation needs to be tied to development planning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are there any final public comments? Well, thank you all for your input. Thank you for the productive meeting today. Um, well, can I just put, make a, a for um, next a future agenda item? Yes, please. Um, so, you know, back in June, Mara Healy talked about um, forests and how healthy forests will play a key in climate change. So, I would like um, to consider putting together, just like Cambridge did, um, like a forest master plan, and that might help with some of the things that you know public um, spoke about and we really need to manage our forests and prevent um, loss of canopy so i know that's another plan um but i think um you know as i said yeah cambridge did it i think brookline has, has done it um so i think we should kind of focus on that and that kind of comes under conservation too. So um, um, I just think that it's something really important we should be looking at too. Thank you. Great. We've got some great ideas tonight for future meetings, and we'll certainly incorporate those in the future. Yeah, yeah and I would say too, if anyone has any um, suggestions for future topics, just email you me. Know. Is there a motion to adjourn the meeting? I'll move to adjourn the meeting. Second. <laughs> All in favor? Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thanks.